Today's episode of Wizards After Dark is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. We are back. New episode of Wizards After Dark from the same undisclosed location in Long Island as I did the last two. I'm Fred Katz, host of Wizards After Dark. Although, you know, I always say that. I always intro my own name, but it's like my name's right there. I'm on with Ben Standing, by the way. Like, Ben, my name's right there. Should I say my name on the podcast? I feel like my name's right there in the description. It's right there in the bio. If you've listened to it once, you know who I am. Do I need to say my name? I, I suspect a, a, a somebody would tell you it's good for branding. You know, reinforces everything. You know, like I like I look at my podcast that I go to all the time. I don't even know what it technically says on the logo. You know what I mean? Like they could have changed the name of the show, and I don't even know if I would notice because I'm just used to pushing the button and where it is and all that. So, yeah, I think it's probably good for for, for branding purposes, if nothing else. I feel like I'm I'm big timing my first time listeners if I don't say my name. You better know. You better know. I mean, if you who switch I am. it, if you switch it to like you know, like like the low post, like cats, because cats is corner or something. Like maybe you could start to get away from that, but you know, until you get your name in there. I think that was an Andy Cats thing. Cats is corner. Sounds about right. I feel like a pi- better podcast name would be like Cats uh, Got Your Tongue. I'm always want to go with uh, standing room only, or uh, or my fantasy football team names are Last Man Standing. So one of those two, if I go, if I go with my name, those would work. Those would work well. How you, how you doing? How, how you, how you doing? Not seeing human beings. Uh, it's, uh, so, <laughs> it's been, it, it's getting more interesting by the minute. I'll say, uh, I, uh, I live alone, which is normally not a big deal. And some, some, some who have kids, I'm sure are feeling very envious right now. <laughs> but uh, it's also been 28 days, and I'm, I'm, I'm I tend to be at home all the time anyway because we you know we, but we have for these jobs we have the athletic doesn't have an office in DC so we work out of our homes except when we're at the games so that part isn't weird but um, you know <laughs> the, the the no games has eliminated everybody and uh, you know other than the random sighting of like a neighbor whenever I've like seen one of my neighbors it, it feels like I like I found Waldo or something now but like, oh. <laughs> oh my god look at you hey how's it going yo have you so, watched uh, have you watched by the way any of these nba this players only 2k tournament thing i have not oh good for you <laughs> it's it is i have to say i'm gonna be an old man sitting up here but it is like they gotta get the players talking to each other on there man it is wild. They are just sitting there playing video games against each other, and there's just like no conversation for like nine minutes at a time. I'm like, what is happening here? Get someone to say something. Put a host yeah, I, in there I mean, chatting a- with them during. Like, what is happening? The guys are just sitting there not talking. I'm like, this is TV. 
Yeah, that's weird. I, I, I am one of the signs for me that I w- was clearly a generation or two removed from certain people on this planet is when the whole esports thing became a big deal. Because I just remember as a kid, whether I was playing Tecmo Bowl or the early versions of Madden or whatever, was that like the worst part of the video game experience was when you would lose and have to wait for the other people to finish. That was interminable. Even when you were sitting right there, like, could you know, mess with them or whatever. So the idea of watching other people play makes no sense. But if you're telling me that watching people play and they're not talking in the context of NBA players, <laughs> I really, yeah, that's somebody has to fix that because it's to me, it sounds like a horror, a nightmare on top. But if they're not going to say anything, that's even worse. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm I am with you on the watching video, the the watching esports stuff. It's just it's like the thing that makes me feel old. But I'm I'm trying to at least be able to understand that world better because I, I wrote a story with Ariel Power uh, on Ariel Powers last week, and she's playing in another 2K tournament, and she's super into gaming. Uh, and and I wrote a story on about her. Or about that with her last week, and and I'm working on another story relating to the 2K League, which I'll, I'll probably put out in the. I, I don't know when we're going to put it out. The schedules are so up in the air now. I don't know if it'll be next week or three weeks from now or what. But I'm trying to get more into it, and I respect that there are a lot of younger people who are into it. And when you watch the NBA 2K tournament, you can tell it's extremely geared towards 13 year olds watching it, not 30 year olds like me watching it. And so I'm trying to understand that. I'm trying to get more into it. That being said, even for people who are into it, they got to put like a host in there or something talking to the players during this because cause, cause the guys who are actually playing the 2K games, I mean, you watch like the KD game against Derek Jones and they are just sitting there like they're not trash talking each other. They're not even really conversing. There is, there's a little bit of small talk throughout it, but there are moments in some of these games when it's like, six minutes straight and there's no conversation had and it's like what? Are, are, they, are they playing live it's all pre-recorded so okay so if it's pre-recorded they need to do what they did for poker when they had norman chad and whoever the host was like giving the play-by-play of poker where there's obviously essentially no real talking happening anyway they need to do that then like I mean, if, if there's going to be no talking and yeah you got you got to at least do but there, I don't is, know. there is literally talking they are literally talking to each other. They just aren't talking. <laughs> they they have the capability of talking. Every couple of minutes, you know, the guys will exchange a couple of things. What they have to do is they have to pair it so friends are playing each other. Because, like, I watched an Instagram live with uh, Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony today, this afternoon. And it was really good. And those are two super smart guys. Chris Paul is obviously really smart. I've never covered him, but he's very clearly a really smart guy. Mello, I covered. I, I mean, I, I know Mello. Mello is an incredibly bright guy. I mean, you see two smart, interesting, funny, charismatic dudes talking, and it came off that way, and it was really good. And they took some questions from fans and talked about a TV thing that Mello was working on, and it was super entertaining. Chris Paul did a great job with it, and Mello was just, Mello's like one of the best interviews in the league and came off that way for the you know, one millionth time, and it was really good. And if you had Chris Paul and Mello playing each other in that, it would be great, but but you can tell that a lot of these guys are playing each other, and they just replayed Donovan Mitchell, and they didn't really have anything to talk about because they clearly didn't know each other very well. It's like, you got to find ways to do this. You got to put a host in there saying something to them over the headset. There's there's just, there's got to be, there's got to be something more. It, it's just, it's, 
it's not it's not as good as it could be. Even even for people, I guess, who enjoy watching the watching video games, I just see so much more potential in it than what we've seen. Uh, that 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 clearly sounds like a plan. Especially again, if it's pre if it's a pre recorded thing, you got to be able to work something out. Like I said, even if there's some stretch of no talking, then you got to put in. I don't know. Whoever from the outside, from from around the horn, is not doing much right now because there's no TV show or whatever they're doing. I don't know. Uh, you know, Tony Reale. Tony Reale is fantastic. He is so good at his job. Tony Reale is still like 35 years old, 38 years old, and he's been doing that. He's been. I feel like he's been around for 20 years. And he's still like in his 30s. He's great. I think he's uh, stat boy feels like it was forever ago. Yes. Yeah. But he was like, that was his first job out of college. He was like 22 or 21 when he started as stat boy. It's just wild. It's really, it I've, I've met him. I think only like once have I seen him. I mean, this obviously he lives, lives in town in, in the DC area, but I think I've only seen him like once when he was like at a Nats game, but he was like, the nicest, you know, if somebody said he's the nicest guy, I would believe it based on my, my one uh, pleasant interaction with him. Oh, I've never met him. I just think he's great at his job. Anyway, let's talk some, let's talk some wizard stuff. Um, I wrote a story about Tommy Shepard went up on Saturday. You can check that out over on The Athletic. By the way, there is a promo that we have on The Athletic right now. So you can go out. There are two things you can check out. First of all, if you listen to this podcast and maybe you haven't subscribed to The Athletic, and I know there are some people under that umbrella because some people have told me that. So if if you listen to this podcast, you haven't subscribed to The Athletic, but you're curious, and I assume you might be because you do listen to the podcast and it's The Athletic Podcast, right now we have a 90-day free trial. So what you can do is you can go to one of my stories or one of Ben's stories or something like that on The Athletic. Just find the link, find it on our Twitter, whatever any of the stories, you click on it and you'll see the first couple of paragraphs and then it'll ask you to sign up. It's going to offer you a 90 day free trial and you can sign up and just get three months of free sports content right there of just free athletic content. And that's a full subscription. It's not like you're signing up just for that story. It's the whole thing. So that's a, that's a big promo that we're doing right now. Check that out. If you want to just sign up for the year, if you're gun on it, you can also, I, I talk about this on every episode, you can go on theathletic.com slash wizards after dark, and that will get you 40% off on an annual subscription. So an annual subscription normally comes out to 60 bucks for the full subscription, $5 a month. That's going to get you 40% off. It's going to come out to $36 for the entire year if you go to wizards after dark or uh, theathletic.com slash wizards after dark, and that gets you everything. My coverage, Ben's coverage of the Redskins and Wizards. David Aldridge, Michael Lee, everything non-DC, you get your MLB, you get your NFL, you get your NBA, you get WNBA, you get everything that we cover everywhere on the site. So you can go check that out. And one thing that I think is worth reading for Wizards fans is I spoke to Tommy Shepard right before the weekend about his plans for the offseason. And he was pretty candid and had some pretty candid quotes to me. And I wrote it up. It went up Saturday morning. Uh so I'm going to read some of these quotes, Ben. I know you saw the story and you're prepared to talk about it, but just in case some people didn't read the story, I'm not going to read everything you said because you can go check it out. And now you can go check it out for free too if you want to sign up for that 90 day, for that uh, for that 90 day free trial. Uh, you can you can go do that and you can read all these quotes and see all the story. But I'm gonna I'm gonna read some of the main ones because it was a couple of days ago. So I asked him 
what the plans are for the offseason, essentially. He said, we're not hiding any state secrets. We're going to improve defensively. And a lot of that is by repetition and continuity. We certainly look inside. Maybe we can get some more physicality there and get some more help on the wings. There's a lot of need that comes, but some there's a lot of need that comes, but sometimes those needs get met by just staying patient with your players. Uh, he later said to me, which I thought was the most important quote of the interview, I think we need a rim protector. I think that helps a lot defensively to keep people out of the paint. Ben, the Wizards have two centers, three, including Jan Mahimi, but Mahimi's a free agent. They got two centers who are 22 years old in Mo Wagner and Thomas Bryant. Presumably, if you believe in Mo Wagner and Thomas Bryant as tandem centers, they can play you 48 minutes at center. If you say we need a rim protector, aside from a really weird five or six game stretch this year, no team plays three centers. You're not getting a rim protector at the four with Rui. If you resign Bertans, you're not getting rim protectors at your forwards, which are incredibly rare anyway. Your rim protector is going to be a center. What is? What do you think that quote means for the future of Thomas Bryant, who has two years left on his deal, by the way, or Mo Wagner, who also has two years left on his rookie deal? Um, you know, when I was reading this, I was thinking to a, a far simpler time in life when my biggest, uh, the, the thing that annoyed me the most was Scott Brooks playing Thomas Bryant and Jan Mihimi together. Like that was something that outraged me. <laughs> Uh, what, what a schmuck I was. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but like, so I at the time thinking, like, what is the point here? I mean, Thomas Bryant doesn't have, I mean, if, if you believe in Thomas Bryant, why are you playing him at a position? For, no offense to Jan Mahimi, who, you know, relatively speaking, had a reasonable year, but like, you know, he's, you knew he's, his contract was ending. So there's no future there. So why would you play Thomas Bryant at a position? And then the reality is, even if you are trying to see if he could play the four, you know, and, uh, Thomas Bryant doesn't seem like he has that kind of a game, at least not in the current body he possesses, right? And, and maybe not ever. So the whole thing seemed weird. So now when you combine it with this, I mean, it sort of goes, builds on the point of not buying Thomas Bryant in the middle. And the reality is, defensively, is even, even the, you know, the previous season, when he was something of, of a revelation that led to him getting the contract. You know, his defensive struggles were well discussed. And um, so, you know, and, and then you just take it to, to, to the bigger picture, as we've discussed many times before. You know, I, I just it just kind of constantly annoyed me when people kept pointing, harping on Bradley Beal's poor defense. And I'm always like, well, point to anybody on this team playing good defense. If they, if they don't have a defensive stopper anywhere, and you have to improve somewhere. So I'm not surprised that Tommy Shepard is saying, in a broader picture, they have got to improve the defense and, you know, sort of the a focal point of that meaning get a rim protector. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't bode well for, for Thomas Bryant. And honestly, I, I'm okay with that. Uh, with, with, I mean, we can get into this in a second, but basically with wall coming back again, we don't know when anything's going to happen, but with John wall coming back, you know, the Wizards kind of have to make a decision here. Are, are we really going to try to make the playoffs or are we willing to sort of sit back? I, I would imagine they're going to try to make the playoffs and it, and it can't just make the playoffs. You have to, if you have wall and Beal, you have to go for it and going forward has to mean getting some proper pieces to help them in a rim protector 
would rank very high on the list, especially if you keep Bird's hands as a shooter, rim protector to me would be the next thing on the list. So I'm not surprised he said it, but yeah, it doesn't bode well for Thomas Bryant. And, you know, again, defensively, he definitely has issues. I think, if, you know, as you've discussed, I'm sure many times. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily just a commentary on Thomas Bryant, to be honest. I think it could have an effect on Mo Wagner's future, too. Like, look, Thomas Bryant, they've invested in. He's got two years and $17 million left. And I do think the league looks at that as maybe a slight overpay, because right now he's a production big. He's a guy who's going to get you points. He's going to get you rebounds. But people don't believe in his defense. And when you have a center who people don't believe in his defense to that degree, even though he's a really, really solid offensive player and, and, and he hasn't been in great shape all year, which is part of why he's been on that minutes limit for so long, that minutes restriction. Uh, when you have that, it I, I don't I just don't know what they would get back for Thomas Bryant because centers already get so little, you know, they're so centers are so lowly valued to begin with. That I don't know if you put Thomas Bryant on the market. I just don't know what you receive back. But Mo Wagner, if somebody watched his first 22 games this year before he got hurt, or 21, or whatever it was, they see a guy who had a 70% true shooting and could shoot the three and could finish around the rim and took smart shots and all these things and has still got two years left on a rookie contract. And they think, you know what? This guy could be a really good backup center for 20 minutes a game if they believe that that's Mo Wagner. Not necessarily the Mo Wagner we saw after he got back from injury. You might be able to do something with that. You might be able to play Mo Wagner at the four a little bit more. Uh, I, I, I just wonder which one would be more part of the future. But I do think if the Wizards decide, look, they might decide we're not able to get a rim protector. They might get really lucky in the lottery if the season ends today. And look, I don't think... I don't think they're going to play again in 2019-20. But if the season ended today, which it might, they'd be have ninth lottery positioning. They could end up with the 10th pick with that. They could end up with the ninth pick with that. But they could also end up with, they could get lucky. If they luck out, they get the third pick, the second pick. They end up with James Wiseman. Like Tommy Shepard also said in that piece that chances are they're taking the best player. And I don't think Mo Wagner or Thomas Bryant is going to prevent them from taking somebody like Wiseman if they really believe in him. They end up taking Wiseman or something like that or a, or a legitimate young center who they believe in, they can make a move too. Now all of a sudden they're in a different position, you know? So so there, there are a lot of options on the table. They'll have the mid-level exception this summer. We'll see what the heck happens with the salary cap. I wrote about that for today too. We'll see what happens with the salary cap. Nobody knows. No one knows what's happening with the salary cap. But but it does kind of seem like, I, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. There are a million options. They could trade one of those guys. They could, they could just keep those guys and say, we think there's some way we can turn Thomas Bryant into a rim protector because he's 7'6 and he can jump okay and... We're going to figure out a way to have his wingspan is seven, six, right? His wingspan is seven, six. Sorry. That's what I mean. He's not seven, six. He's six, 10, but he's got long arms and a lot of high standing reach and all these things. And like, he should be better defensively than he is based on the physical traits. And maybe there's something there and whatever, but you're not getting it at the four and you're not getting it any other position. Cause that's just not how this, 
that's not how this sport works. Uh, unless, you know, you're, you're talking about like Giannis or, you know, AD is playing the four for you or something like that. And that's, that's kind of it. Um, but, so, so I'm not to, sure. I'm not sure how well, it ends so, up. So, so to that point, like, I mean, if you're talking, I mean, if you're talking about getting a rim protector and if you, if you're taking sort of Tommy Shepard is saying that as a starting center effectively, then even if Thomas Bryant stays, it doesn't bode well for him. Like you said, the league is, is going away from bigs. And if you, you know, pick, pick whoever you want, let's just say a veteran center who can give you some rim protection, nothing, you know, we're not saying an all-star, but just somebody, right? Well, you still have Bertans and Rui Hachimura effectively both playing the four. So that would have, you would imagine sort of a, to some degree, a, a three-man rotation there between those two guys and this new center with Thomas Bryant being the fourth big, which means on some nights not doing much at all. So uh, so to me, it, it, it doesn't bode well for him. In terms of the other part, like what could you do? Yeah, obviously, Mo, Vag- Mo Wagner making effectively no money <laughs> is far more attractive to another team. Obviously, there's aspects of you have, you know, salaries need to match to some degree or whatever, but you can work around that, uh, you know, with a contract that cheap. So, yeah, it, I'm just saying from that perspective, it doesn't bode well for Bryant. Um, but also, I mean, look, I guess I would just say this. It's I, uh, literally I was about to say what the month was and I couldn't think of it. It's April. It's the beginning of April at a point when obviously we have no idea when anything will happen. I, I guess there's a chance that the NBA decides sort of like what the NFL is doing that it's going to call the season quits, but then just keep all the off season stuff on time. So maybe that is on time, but like, uh, who, you know, it's whatever Tommy Shepard says today. I don't doubt that he believes it. They definitely need that. <laughs> they need that. They need a wing defender. There's no, there's no argument with those things, but saying it today versus like, you know, the week before free agency or the draft is a different story because we'll have a better sense of what the world looks like and have a better sense of what Thomas Bryant's, uh, you know, actual value is if he wants to trade him or more importantly, who's out there. Cause right now, I mean, you know, we just give look at a list of free agents, but who knows what, who knows what's happening right now, including for reasons you're going to bring up with the salary cap. Yeah. I mean, look, the, it's not mind boggling that he, that Tommy Shepard believes that they need a rim protector. They give up a ton of points in the paint. They give up incredibly high percentage on shots in the restricted area. They're dead last in points allowed per possession. They've struggled with their paint defense all year. They've struggled with their help side defense all year. They've struggled helping the helper all year. Thomas Bryant is still learning how to be vocal. And this is obviously not all on Thomas Bryant. Isaiah Thomas was a was a big problem for the defense this year. Bradley Beal has been a below-average defender. Rui Hachimura has been a below-average defender. Uh, Troy Brown uh, has not necessarily taken the strides as a team defender, as I hoped that he would. And I think a lot of that just kind of has to do parts of the – has to do with just kind of parts of the defensive culture, where it's like it's really hard for a 20-year-old to learn how to play team defense – on a team when nobody else is playing team defense, you have to, you know how you reinforce somebody to move to the right place. If the guy in front of and behind that guy is also moving to the right place. So he knows where to move and can feel comfortable where to move without feeling like he's going to get caught out of position moving to that place. Cause he knows the guy behind him who's supposed to slide into his spot is actually going to do it. And you know what? That bodes for Thomas Bryant as well. Thomas Bryant's 22 years old. He's exclusively played on NBA defenses that have really struggled. He, did, didn't play, effectively didn't play with the Lakers as a rookie. Last year, the Wizards were, I think, 27th in defense, and this year they're 30th. And he's part of the problem, but he's also um, 
you know, it's a it's a it's a chicken and egg thing, too, where it's like he's he's going to struggle as a young defender in that sort of environment as well it's just not conducive to becoming as good as you possibly can that sort of environment when the team is just giving up point after point after point um so so do i think thomas bryan can get better defensively yeah i i do we just haven't necessarily seen the evidence that he's a rim protector and and i'm very curious to see especially now that tommy shepherd has has said that uh i'm curious to see how the wizards go about figuring that out with him and, and Wagner, because Wagner will never be a rim protector. And obviously the fouling is, you know, people love the charge taking and all that stuff. And I've made this point on this podcast. I think the charge taking is overrated. He ends up fouling way too much. He ends up fouling way too much. So he can take like one charge every once in a while. And then you, it's also not real defense. And so eventually that's just going to burn. If you just mentality is to take charge after charge after charge, it's not real defense. So, I mean, it, like you said, it's going to cause fouls or other, you know, potentially other issues if you get into bad habits um, when it comes to whatever, not moving your feet or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, and I like Wagner. Wagner is, I think. Yeah, he had a good, I'm had, more I liked him this year. If you told me, if you, if, if you asked me which Mo Wagner is like the real Mo Wagner and you, I had to pick either post-injury Mo Wagner or pre-injury Mo Wagner, I would pick pre-injury Mo Wagner. I, I think, I, I think Mo Wagner is going to be a good player. Like, I think he's he's going to be good. But, you know, this is the classic example of Thomas Bryant and Mo Wagner, very similar players. And this is a classic example of wanting to have a complementary roster, having guys at the same position who fill in the gaps for the other one's flaws, right? And, uh, and this is a case where Wagner and Thomas Bryant are very similar in the things that they're good at and very similar in the things they're not as good at. Right. And by the way, like, and, and I agree with all that. I, I liked Wagner at Michigan. I know a lot of people didn't seem to be that high on him in the draft. And even when, when the Wizards made the trade to get him and Bonga for virtually nothing, people were still like, eh, who cares? He's not that good. And then he came in and did a really good job. And, and I'm with you. I, I, you know, maybe he's not the, he's not keeping up that level of efficiency, but regardless, he was pretty good. Um, and you could also look at it like this if you really wanted to. Strip away, like if, if you're concerned at all about the Wizards maybe moving Mo Wagner for reasons we were just discussing, like he could be the piece that helps you get that rim protector or something. Like you could look at it like this: last year's offseason was about acquiring pieces on the relative cheap with upside, and they did that in several instances, and for the most part, those things panned out or were, didn't hurt them. And if you were to actually flip Mo Wagner again, I'm not saying again. I don't, there's no such thing as a hot stove right now. We don't even have to say I'm not. I'm not reporting anything. <laughs> there's not, nobody's reporting squat. Uh, the um, <laughs> the uh, if you just view it as the Wizards acquired this guy for almost nothing a year ago and were able to trade him for anything that is of, deemed to be interesting, a rotation piece, that is an absolute win i mean again without knowing the the other piece that's an absolute win for for a one year of taking on something that somebody else just wanted to unload for for whatever the reason so like from that perspective anything they get out of mo wagner going forward and you can say the same thing with bonga is a win um you know just in terms of that if you you know like i said strip away the idea of this individual this, this this specific human and just look at it like an asset the way like bill belichick probably would by the way, Mo Wagner, we're talking about like which Mo Wagner is it? Mo Wagner on the season still like per 36, 18 and 10 per 36, 67% true shooting, which I believe is top 10 in the league. 
I, I never know know what tense to use. Is top ten the league or was it top ten the league? Are we just resigning that there's no no more regular season? Uh, Fifty eight, or I should say, sixty seven percent on twos, which is ridiculous. Shot selection is excellent, by the way. All shots in the restricted area from three. Thirty four percent on threes. Thomas Bryant, meanwhile, is giving you almost identical production. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, Eighteen and ten per thirty six, just like Wagner. Two point eight assists per thirty six compared to two point five for Wagner. Thomas Bryant also, Thomas Bryant's a 66% true shooting compared to 67. Thomas Bryant is 64% on twos, another excellent number. He's 41% on threes this year on a smaller volume. And they're getting to those numbers in extremely similar ways. They're they're taking similar types of shots. Thomas Bryant's a little bit more mid-range prone, but it's not like he's like living in the mid-range. He's not Rui Hachimura. He just kind of puts him up every once in a while. He actually shoots okay from that area. I, I wouldn't have him taking as many of them, but like it's fine. He's a wildly efficient offensive player. I mean, the the numbers, the production, the way they get to that production, the defense, it's it's similar enough to where like they are just uncannily similar even the intensity and emotion and emotionally like the uh the emotions they play with even that's similar like they're just there's a lot of overlap there and i i would understand if the wizards wanted to get two centers who complemented each other more and whether i don't know i think they're both good solid nba players who can help nba teams but if you're looking for a rim protector and you don't believe one of them is that well Something something very well might change, you know. Anything else on this, or shall we uh, shall we move on uh, to the to the next thing? Uh, yeah, we can move on to the next thing. Sounds like a plan. Wow, you sound so and, unexcited about that. And I'm, I'm, it's more to the point. I thought about it for a second. I was like, you know what? It's a new. It's new, and right now, anything new is exciting. So I'm I'm down with the new. <laughs> There we go. Uh, we don't need to talk about cap stuff. I had a story about the salary cap today that was up on The Athletic. On uh, the, We're recording this late Monday night, by the way. I think this will probably go up on Tuesday morning. Uh, but uh, I had a story up about the salary cap this morning and how it would affect Davis Bertans. But it's it's wild, man. Like You talk to people who are salary cap experts around the league, and they just don't, they don't know what's going to happen. Like nobody knows. It's just such an uncertain time. Like people just have have no idea. And uh because of that, like all this offseason stuff we talk about, even the even the Mo Wagner Thomas Bryant stuff, all of it just kinda comes with an asterisk of like, yeah, we don't know what the salary cap's gonna be, and that could change so much of how all these teams operate, depending on what happens because the salary cap is a function of the revenue the league brings in. And if the league loses a crap ton of games, it's losing a crap ton of revenue. And, uh, and thus the salary cap is going to be majorly affected by that. You know, when I read your article, what, what stood out to me wasn't so much about the specifics or lack thereof of what the future NBA situation is with the cap. It's more about what I'm dealing with right now on the Redskins front because I've just been dealing with free agency and now the draft is less than three weeks away, and I still know what these things mean. Like I'm, I'm still operating 
on, you know, because it's happening. They, they didn't change the rules because of this of coronavirus. The I know the parameters for the cap. I know the Redskins roster. I know what they they they, they need, like who the availability, whatever. But looking from your seat, looking forward, is this must be? I, I wouldn't. Even, I would. I would just have the that, that shrugs emoji with the uh, with the Muppet. You know that everybody always uses, or not the emoji, the um, the meme, the GIF, whatever. Yeah, I because uh, because I, mean, I mean everything is is like that. No idea what what the draft will look like, what the cap will look like, what free agency will look like. You know all the things that were assumed, you know, before about things like who knows, like guys opting in or out of contracts could be different. Uh, you know what what teams' plans are are are, are, are radically different. Uh, so who knows what to make of any of it? So it is definitely a, a, a weirder world. I'll, I'll enter that soon once we get past the draft. Then everything becomes an unknown to a degree. But um, yeah, for right now, my world is definitely a little more stable than yours. Yep, that's all true. What do you think of this uh, ESPN report? Did you read this? This is this 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 just came out. I guess by tomorrow morning, everyone will have seen this. But Woj and Baxter Holmes at ESPN just reported that the NBA could be doing a finger prick test uh, in order to rapidly test players and get results back within five to thirteen minutes. Rapidly test players for COVID. And then get results back in five five to thirteen minutes. I think it said right. Let me double check that. Yes, if I, yeah, it was five to thirteen minutes. Yeah, five to thirteen minutes. That that sounds in a world where I I guess this is because Adam Silver said tonight they wouldn't come back until May first. I guess in a world where I, they must be assuming that testing is just readily available in this world that they're doing this right. Yeah, I mean, I, I unfortunately watch way too many of the uh, – still watching too much news. I need to pull back. But the idea of these quicker tests, instantaneous almost, I heard it at one of the president's press conferences in the last week. I even want to say Abbott Labs is the one that put out the that, – that is putting out the test. And, you know, to, to me, the two things that stand out in terms of society – Right now, one the, a, a, a test. I guess the three things: one, a test that shows if you have coronavirus; two, a test that shows if you have effectively have had coronavirus by showing that you have the antibodies uh, developed from having it; and then three is obviously the vaccine. The latter is, you know, there even the best, most optimistic estimates are sometime in 2021. The other two seems like it's potentially. Well, I mean, the coronavirus testing is already existing. It's just not widespread. And obviously, with the NBA in particular, that start, people started raising questions. Hey, how are all these players getting tested when the general population isn't? Uh, but then the antibodies, one is going to be, I would imagine, based on my layman's understanding of this, would be huge towards moving forward. Because if you, it shows you have it, it's not a 100% guarantee, but it's likely, from what I've heard, that you won't get it again, and therefore the idea of therefore playing in a contact sport seems more feasible. So, you know how quickly these things can get can get up and running. And like you said, it needs to be the, the, the testing of coronavirus in general that needs to be far more widespread than it currently is, without pissing off the entire population. Um, so, you know, I don't know about that. How quickly that's going to happen? But yeah, I mean that's. It's 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 a kind of news that's exciting and optimistic, and simultaneously, I'm not going to buy any of it until I see a lot more because I'm 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 in 
I'm not getting my hopes raised by anything at this point because I don't want to be disappointed. Yeah, I just don't see how you can have... I don't see how you can deploy doctors, PPE, uh, all of these medical resources into something when so many people actually need it. I don't see how you can pour all of that into a basketball game. And I feel that way about these proposed leagues where you just quarantine a bunch of people in Las Vegas and you quarantine a bunch of players in a hotel. And it's like, really? Because people people think, all right, well, it's just the players. And then you can test the players. And if testing is readily, let's say we live in a world where testing is readily available, which it's not. Even if you do that, it's like, it's not just the players. You got to have doctors there. And so if the doctors are there, that's a doctor who's not elsewhere, not helping people who might need it more, as opposed to in this place with all, all these people who most of them are hopefully healthy. All of them are hopefully healthy. And it's not just that. You're going to have to bring in waiters. You're going to have to bring in enough food for all of these people, because when you bring in more food, you got to make sure the food is okay. Now, all of a sudden, you've contaminated your zone. You can't let a delivery person in to deliver food or else it's not really a quarantine. You're bringing in stuff. There's a reason we're supposed to Lysol down our groceries before we bring our packages, before we bring them into the house, right? And you're going to have to be as careful about that as you possibly can. You're going to have to quarantine the, you know, you're going to have to open up some of the restaurants that are in that hotel. People are going to have to eat, right? You're going to have to open those up, which means you're going to have to have a wait staff and a cook staff or, or a delivery staff or whatever it is. You're going to have to have staff in the hotel to help clean. You're going to have to have people who just generally take care of the hotel. You're going to have to have coaches. You're going to have to have people, you know, essential people who work in the front office. You're going to have to have all of these people in there. And you know what? If, if every single player and every single coach and every single front office person buys in, but this, this, you know, kitchen staffer who is there and is so excited to have a job now is there and starts to get a cough. That guy might not say anything because he doesn't want to all of a sudden be out of a job, right? Like then everybody there has it and you don't know, like it just doesn't seem possible to police or viable for all these things. And, and I guess maybe I'm just looking at it too much in today's world. And I, I would love to be wrong. It would be so great if I were wrong, but it doesn't seem possible to put together in my mind. And and on top of that, it it doesn't um, it it just it doesn't seem viable. And I can't think of a way that as long as we're in a world where there aren't tests or there aren't enough tests, or at least a country where there aren't enough tests. And on top of that, everyone who comes in contact with a someone who has COVID has to quarantine. Uh, and there's still no vaccine. I just don't see how we can get huge crowds of people together anywhere. I just don't. I just can't envision that. Yeah, and and I don't think you even mentioned like if we're if the whole point of this is to televise it, then the entire television crew has to uh, you know be involved. That's cameramen and all the PAs and the announcers and all that. So yeah, to, uh, the, that people I'm sure there's subsets. We're not even thinking about, but uh, yeah, and and I guess here's the thing: like, obviously, if you're listening to this, you you love sports, and 
you know, you're, you're on some level, you're like, God, if only we could be watching something, whatever that thing would be that, 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 that tickles your fancy or multiple things. But ultimately, this is also a business. And the idea, like a lot of the country doesn't give a crap about sports and would just simply view it as, wait, why are we letting these billionaires and millionaires have at it? Why are we letting this business, <laughs> you know, effectively try to succeed where others, all the small businesses in your towns are, are suffering because they don't have the same access. They can't get their workers tested to, you know, go see if, you know, they can get three people behind the counter to open up the, 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 the bar, the restaurant, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to see it. And that's why, you know, at least of the idea of the testing as well as the antibodies, I I'm with you. I don't see a scenario where we get large crowds back together anytime soon, but at least if those two things happen and the doctors believe, and that's part of what's whole the, the crazy thing is, it's not even just so much the, the 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 coronavirus itself; it's the lack of understanding about this particular strain that the scientists are learning on the fly. Um, uh, we don't, you know we don't know what what the situation uh, could could look like. Maybe again, maybe in two months, if this antibody test is readily available, that could be a game changer. But again, that's a massive. A massive uh, assumption at this point, and who knows? I mean, again, the scientists are learning seemingly on the fly, so we'll see what they tell us. But yes, I'm I'm not preparing to um, to see any uh, any NBA action anytime soon. I will say, of all the sports, the one I do wonder about is golf. Like, I feel like that could be figured out on some weird level. Maybe I'm, again, being naive and I'm not trying to risk the public and you still would have to do some more testing. But it feels like golf could work some stuff out eventually. Yeah, maybe tennis. Maybe. But tennis, they, but tennis, they still have to touch the ball. That's true. You're right. You're right. You're right. Tennis could not. Golf, you're right. <laughs> maybe golf. Maybe golf comes back. Maybe this is golf's big swing. No pun intended. Actually, we'll say pun intended. Maybe this is, yeah, maybe this is golf's big comeback. No sports. Everyone's going to watch golf. I mean, the other one, oddly enough, because I know like the wrestling and, and UFC have still been going on to some degree, uh, but like boxing as well. I, again, obviously, it's an, it's crazy to suggest that with, you know, all the, all the sweat and blood and everything else flying around. But everybody gets tested and you, know, you don't need that many people involved. I, you know, I don't know. But that's uh of the non of the non contact ones, golf seems feasible. Again, there's probably a whole bunch of subsets of people you need that I'm not thinking about, but I don't know. It seems like you could potentially work something out, but you know, the big, you know, the lot, lot, lot more important things to figure out right now. Yep, that is true. Any any big? Way, uh, yeah, yeah. I was say you know what, what what the sneaky. I haven't heard people discuss this yet. The sneaky part to all this, if this whole thing lingers, we're focusing on sports and we're sort of somewhat resigned to maybe nothing happening. What happens with television or the movies? Because right now, they, they, there's clearly all these stations are, are bumping up all the things that they had. All these networks are bumping up everything they've had in storage. But what happens in three months? Like, they're not filming anything right now. Yep. And at some point here, there's going to be like, uh, <laughs> well, we got some home movies. Hey. <laughs> Hey, everyone's kind of taking that approach. Let's just bump it up now, and 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 people aren't playing the long game. Like, if this takes a really, really long time, we're just all going to run out of content, right? Everyone is putting together – every publication has now put together their their top 
jersey number rankings for this team. Everyone's done it. It's like, all right, well, you're not going to have that in August now. So, I mean, yeah, the movie stuff or the movies are getting bumped up and all that stuff. And it's great for now. I'll say um, we're lucky that that Netflix and Hulu and HBO Go and all those things exist because uh, we can go back and watch a lot of stuff. I have a lot of shows that I haven't watched that are like like right in my just like a just a total a total void that I should have watched. And I never did. Like I've never seen game of Thrones. Like I can go binge game of Thrones and be fine. Yeah. The, the, I have a few, I'm almost hesitant to even say, cause I've avoided spoilers for this long on a couple things, but, uh, but yeah, I'm with you. There's, uh, there's a couple things like that. I, I need, I mean, I'm, I need to get through the, the NFL draft and then I can sort of settle in on, on some, something like that. But uh, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely some of that. My my thing on some of these shows that went five, six, seven seasons is the, the sheer amount of hours that that is that you have to commit if you're going to watch the series is fairly daunting. And now <laughs> that time is uh, time is on our sides, unfortunately. Yep. Anything big coming out that you want to plug? Well, uh, well, I will just say since since we are doing some wizards here, we did a uh, on the athletic. You mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned these jersey stories. We, we did one the other day uh, about uh, the, which athlete best represents jersey number zero to ninety nine. Obviously, a lot of wizards represented: Gilbert Arenas, John Wall, Wes Unseld, and others. But we there were five in particular that we decided were worthy of a bigger discussion. So we, we, uh, m- myself, uh, Tarek Al-Bashir, our Caps guy, and uh, Grant Paulson, who helps me on the Redskins, we, we, we spent some time to going, going longer into these five debates um, that I urge you to check out. I'll give you this one here since it involves a wizard. And you can, uh, you know, I know you're not from here, but you have a sense of these things. So I'll give, I'll let you make a determination if you want. You ready? Yes. All right. I, I will let three. you know before you tell me, by the way, uh, do you know that Jersey numbers are like the thing I just don't know? Oh, uh, you mean like you don't remember who wore what kind of thing? I couldn't tell you who wore any numbers. I just don't remember. So you will have to throw everything out at me. Yeah. And what's weird well, is I remember like everyone's I said- stats, but I just don't remember numbers that any players wear in any sport. I just don't, I don't, I don't place it in any sort of storage in my mind. I don't find it necessary to know. It doesn't help me at all. And I just don't know. Uh, for sure. I mean, I, th- these happen to be because it's the, you know, the, the ones I grew up for the most part or, or have covered that makes it a little bit easier for me, but I'm with you. Um, all right. So, so, so number three, it includes some people that I won't make you, uh, fret over but uh longtime nhl defenseman scott stevens one of the best defensemen of all time he played his first seven eight years here he was great uh, mark mosley kicker for the redskins was actually named mvp of the league in 1982 when the redskins won their first super bowl under joe gibbs bizarre that that could even be a um a thing karan butler uh you know had obviously a, a fun uh, stretch here with with the wizards but for the, the real debate came down to these three people one of them is uh somebody you're familiar with bradley beal uh, i suspect i don't need to state the resume to you or anybody else but obviously you know he's, he's been pretty good for, the, for this group and only getting only getting better i mean i i double check today you know second in the league in scoring this season or last season or however you want to phrase it but tech you know he, he's good the other two dipped into the colleges 
you have Juan Dixon, who was Maryland's yeah. best player. They won their only national title. They went up to Final Four back-to-back years, won the national title. He was the most, most outstanding player, uh, legend, all-time leading scorer in program history from Baltimore, which doesn't really count, but close enough. And then, now we're only counting what people did here, and it's hard to separate, but the Allen Iverson experience started with two years at Georgetown, and that's where his were. You know, obviously everything went nuclear in terms of the uh, you know the iconography, the fandom when he got to the NBA because he was really allowed to express himself in numerous ways. But it all began at Georgetown, where you know he came to the school in this sort of a bizarre way because he had legal problems back home. Uh, his mom pleaded with John Thompson to take him. Obviously he did. And, you know, sort of, as they say, the rest is history. So based on that, I won't make you go through the other ones. Bradley Beal, Juan Dixon, Allen Iverson. All right. If you had to pick. Let's see. Iverson. What did his sophomore team do? They go to the elite eight. Is that right? They went to the, yeah, they went to the elite eight. He set the school record for most points in the season. First team, all American. Right. He averaged, he averaged like 25 that year. Uh, let's, he almost scored a thousand points, right? Let's say, you know what? I'm going, I'm going to go like with the talk radio answer. I'm going Juan Dixon. That, that dude, he won a title. He was awesome at Maryland. If we're only going by what they did locally, obviously. Uh, and for what it's worth, he did that. He did end up playing for the Wizards, so it, it wasn't. It didn't have yeah, a but that doesn't really bolster his resume much. Sure, uh, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, if it's a whole thing, then it's Iverson hands down. But yeah, Juan Dixon went to two Final Fours. He was a twenty-point scorer in college. He was the best player on a title team. He was an awesome, awesome college player. He was such a good college player. I feel like the pro careers that guys have color our opinions of their college careers too much. Like there was that Bleacher Report poll the other day that named Michael Jordan the best college player of all time. Michael Jordan's not close to the best college player of all time. Obviously, he was a great college player, but he he was he's not the best college player of all time. There are better college players than him. Doug He's Mc- not even the best college player who played for North Carolina. Please, Doug McDermott was an unbelievable college player. Like if we're, the 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 Adam Morrison was an unbelievable college player. Like these guys weren't great NBA players, but they were amazing college players. Jim Christian, yeah, Christian Leitner is the. I mean, to me, as much as I couldn't stand him, and I was a Patrick Ewing guy. So and he's arguably in the mix for the best college player of all time. But yeah, Christian I mean, Leitner is hard to argue. The best college player of all time is Kareem. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I like with most like uh, basically partly because of my age and partly because of reality for college and the NBA both start the, the era split when Bird and Magic show up in both. <laughs> so everything happened before I count it, but not really. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm like, going so so I'm just going to go by what they did against the competition that they played. And Juan Dixon was a was a freaking great college player and led his team to a title, and he went to a second Final Four. So I'm, why not? I don't care. I have no stake in this. Juan it's Dixon. A, it's, it's a very very viable answer. Uh, you can go Tuesday morning if you're if you, it'll be up on on the Athletic DC. I will say in the other in the five we did four included Wizards. Or, or bullets, Bobby Dandridge, Elvin Hayes, 
and Jeff Malone, all part of these debates. So you can go check that out. Awesome. Perfect. Perfect. Go check that out. That's going to be a, that's going to be a fun piece. And, uh, I'll have some more stuff out on the athletic this week. I'm still writing a lot. I'm still writing like a few pieces a week at this point. So you can go check all that stuff out. As of now, uh, my, when I'm writing the rest of the week is still a little bit up in the air, but there's going to be stuff and there's going to be stuff next week. And it's all going to be wizard centric. And it's all going to be, it's all stuff I'm working hard on and, and trying to put out some good fun stories. So, uh, I'll get that out when I get it out, I guess, uh, I'm not sure when I'll be podcasting next, but like I always say, it'll most definitely be, I will most definitely be doing at least one episode a week. So this is the one for this week, and maybe I'll come back later this week if something newsworthy happens. Otherwise, I'll be back at some point next week. Go on iTunes. Why, uh, rate Wizards After Dark. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Leave a review. Uh, you know, journalism's not doing too well right now in general. Tons of journalists are getting furloughed and laid off and all those things. And we at The Athletic have been extremely lucky and fortunate that none of those bad things are happening to us right now. Uh, But that being said, like, I don't even say this is a way to just guilt you into subscribing to The Athletic. But like, go, go, if you can do it and you can afford it and you're also fortunate enough like us to still have your jobs right now, go subscribe to a newspaper that you didn't already there, there are a lot of great newspapers putting out amazing content. Go subscribe to some sort of journalism publication, The Athletic or, or something else. It's just, it's it's a really important time. We need journalism now as much as we ever have. I don't want to say, people say we need journalism now more than ever. No, we don't. There's always times we need journalism, but we need journalism now as much as we always have because we always need good journalism. And I don't say that for just sports, obviously. I mean, we need really good journalism in this country and in this world. And there are a lot of great journalists out there doing amazing work. Um, and I, I think a lot of us want them to continue to be doing amazing work. Uh, so go subscribe to something that, that you really like, and, uh, you can subscribe to this podcast and you don't have to pay a time. All you got to do is make a couple taps with their thumb or your index finger and you'll be good. And if you want to leave a review, that would, that would be wonderful and would help me out a lot. If you want to leave a nice review on the iTunes page and leave five stars, like I said, I'll be back at the latest by next week. I'll talk to you guys then.